0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 46 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Lucky Days. And today we have an exciting show for you all. We are going to get into an interesting, what I want to call Rogers Roundtable, where I talk to some Packers fans from the Milwaukee area and all over about how they feel about the resolution between Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers. We are going to get into training camp updates and give you all all the nitty gritty details and everything you need to download on your favorite teams. We are going to get into the fly route and talk about NBA free agency and all the massive changes that have happened and who now sits on top of the respective conferences. And last but not least... I'm going to give a big, big, big baller's bouquet to Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The, 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 fly the fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Welcome to the tea off. Oh, 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 oh! Spread that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show. I like to spill some tea. On our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. And today I've always really wanted to do this. It's the beginning of the podcast. It's what I want to call a reach back. I'm going to give you all some crazy, random stories that happened, but maybe haven't really been super popular or have been lost in time, but really fit the essence of this segment. So the first reach back on the Fly Route podcast is going to be about Ronald. Darnell Lucky Whitehead, or as people just called him Lucky Whitehead for short. And this is the story of how a mistaken identity situation and a front office that was too quick to pull the trigger actually stunted and ended a promising professional NFL career. Now Lucky's from Virginia, but he ends up playing college football at Florida Atlantic. He plays wide receiver and some special teams work. He receives all American and all conference honors while he does not go drafted in 2015. He is signed by the Dallas Cowboys an undrafted free agent. He actually plays next to a former cowboy. That's actually very popular currently for vaccine based fame. Cole Beasley, whereas a rookie he actually got the opportunity to steal some special team snaps as a punt and kick returner from Cole Beasley. Over two years, he puts up almost 1,400 yards kick returning get another 300-plus punt returning, gets some receiver work here and there, and that brings us into the summer of 2017, in which during training camp, the team cut him because Lucky was reported by TMZ to be charged with the failure to appear in court over a larceny charge that stemmed from a robbery that he allegedly committed and was arrested of in June of that year in Virginia. Now at this time, Cowboys coach, Jason Garrett, now the offensive coordinator for coordinator for the New York giants, when interviewed about the situation, said that they were making the best decision for the Cowboys at the time. Now we all know teams don't like distractions, especially early on in camp and usually want to wash their hands of this situation. But this same day, gets cut after the news breaks. His agent, David Rich, ends up declaring that Whitehead is innocent and the return specialist was not even in Virginia at the point of the crime. And they even have flight records to prove this. Now, this is where the story gets truly, truly crazy. Now, apparently the person that was arrested in June did not have any ID on them. And instead they verbally provided ID to the police, giving their name, their date of birth, the social security number, and all of this information was Lucky Whitehead's information. And the police apparently went off that and like a rough comparison of a photo that they had in the DMV and was like, ah, this guy's story checks out. He's NFL player, Lucky Whitehead, and charge him for the crime. And Lucky ends up not showing up in court because uh, why would you show up in court for armed robbery you did not commit? And then there's a warrant out for his arrest. Now, this is the crazy thing. After Lucky's agent makes this public, the Prince William County Police Department actually says they fully support this. Whitehead is 100% innocent. This is a mistake completely made by them and they're apologizing. However, at this time, the Cowboys have already washed their hands of it. They have the option to keep Lucky but choose to keep him cut from the roster. Steven Jones is interviewed about this because this is kind of a crazy and odd situation for someone to get into. And what he ends up saying is, I just think we've given Lucky a lot of different chances along the way going back to last year. And I think we just decided that it's time to go in a different direction. Now, of course, Whitehead does not, does not, does not like this. He says that, They're not trying to sugarcoat anything, but they've called him a liar. No one had his back. They cut him and literally did not hear about him. He's like, I I hear the news like everybody else hears the news. And two hours later, I'm cut before I can even say I'm innocent. Now, afterwards, Lucky does go on to play for the New York Jets. But unfortunately, due to -to back-to-back injuries, he never saw the field in the NFL again after being cut by the Cowboys and is now... Playing for the BC Lions in the CFL. And that was your tee off. Ooh, spread that tee, sis. Spit that tee, sis.
1: Gallus, <music> Gallus,
2: Gallus, Gallus, Honey, Playboy.
0: All right, all right. We are going to get into our Rogers round roundtable. I've been very excited to bring you all this information. So I'm just going to download everybody who hasn't been super deep into this on everything that's going down. Now, Rodgers is clearly unhappy, decided to distance himself from the team, not show up to voluntary OTAs, and almost the beginning of the training cap until Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers came to a deal. Now, Aaron comes back. He's going to play this year, but he originally had two years left on his contract. They're going to avoid that second year. The voiding of that second year is important. Because that means Aaron Rodgers after this season only has one year left on his deal. But most importantly, the voiding of that second year makes the Packers unable to use the franchise tag on Aaron Rodgers, which guarantees last year is the only year that they can have him on contract. It prevented Aaron Rodgers from being fined from any of the things that he missed, etc. And shifted his cap costs down, which the Packers desperately needed this year around 10 million dollars now the kicker for that is it makes next year's cap cost 47 million dollars which should make it financially prohibitive for the packers to keep him on the roster unless aaron Rodgers is willing to re-up renegotiate and change his deal once more for the packers and this is where people are getting the concept of a basically gentleman's agreement that aaron gets to go and part ways with the packers next year Because unless he wants to stay, it'll be quite, quite difficult to keep him on. Now, we know that the Packers trade him. They'll save a lot in the cap. And I now want an overall holistic take about what people are thinking and kind of have going on with this Aaron Rodgers situation. So I got a couple people that are willing to come through, share their thoughts. I'm going to ask them some questions and I'm going to bring the first person on right now. All right. So I'm bringing you all, Jake. Jake, introduce yourself. Let everybody know about you a little bit. Yeah,
2: I'm. I'm Jake. Uh, I write a, a football blog online about fantasy football, and I cover everything. Uh, I'm really not just a fantasy guy. I try and dig into every aspect of the team. Do lots and lots of research because I realize that you know one player's stats can change drastically year to year for all kinds of different reasons, and you have to you know be filled in on as much information as possible. So you can get that going,
0: right? All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Your relationship to the Packers. Give us a little Mm -hmm. bit of insight on that.
2: Uh, Well, uh, I live here in in Wisconsin. I'm from Madison and I live here now. So uh, I grew up a Packers fan. I mean, I guess when I was really little, I I didn't care that much. But once I did start to care, uh, you know, I had Brett Favre and that was that was a good time. That was fun to watch. And, you know, after that, you know, I got we got the nice blessing of getting Aaron Rodgers right after that. So we went from Hall of Fame quarterback to even better quarterback. Uh, And, you know, it's it's been good to be a fan most of the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, I like that because you say that you went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So this is not the first time you as a fan have went through this style of turmoil as a mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers fan. Second time around, does it feel any different?
2: Well, it, when you say second time around, I, I think that it's more than that. Uh, you know, Since the last time the Packers have won the Super Bowl, this has happened pretty much every single offseason. There's some sort of storyline about Aaron Rodgers and not getting along with the coach and not getting along with the manager and wanting a bigger contract or you know, any of those things. And it's been happening every year. Since then, so when it happened again this year, I was like, well, he's still coming back because he always does. <laughs> but, you know, this time it was different. It was it was a little longer than usual. And, and yeah, the, he, he needed more than just a renegotiated contract. And, and I, I do get his perspective. There's a lot of times where the Packers came really close to winning a championship, but fell just a little bit short. And there's a lot of years where the Packers were pretty well under the salary cap and they could have still
0: signed another guy. I like this. I like this. So in the end, who do you feel is to blame here? Who do you feel like is in the wrong? Uh,
2: you know, for a long time, I I, ha- I had pushed the blame all over the place, you know, <laughs> as a fan. So <laughs> Right. Since that last Super Bowl, I mean, that was a different time with, you know, I mean, Charles Woodson was involved when he was really good. So that's, you know, that's well, we're well past that. But for a long time, they kept the same defensive coordinator for years and years. with Mike McCarthy, the defense was just awful for a long time. Uh, so I thought that was a big problem for the team and it, you know. The worst examples were good players who were on the Packers who went off to sign with other teams and were even better on their defense, like Casey Hayward or Micah Hyde. Uh, And then, you know, and I said, you know, that's just because the defense pointer doesn't use them right. But then other people would say, oh, no, it's because they are that good. And what was really happening is the management couldn't keep them together. It's like, okay, hmm. And over time, Maybe that's what we're really seeing is after this last year where they picked Jordan Love and some other players, they were starting to prepare for life without Rodgers. And instead of, you know, loading up to make more runs and, you know, just play out, make him play out his whole career. And, you know, who cares if you have a couple of bad years at the end of his career because you overinvested in trying to make it, you know?
0: You okay, know? I'm going to leave you with this last question. And this one's sure. the, the big one. In the end all end all, who do you feel won? Aaron Rodgers or the Packers? Uh,, that's tough. I would say it's it's Aaron
2: Rodgers' win because okay. you know, he got what he wanted for the most part. And and the Packers sort of got what they wanted because he's back and he's gonna play this year. You know, that's helpful. It's better than him sitting out and then paying him a bunch to not have him around. You know, it's it's much better for them if he's not there and they don't have to pay him. <laughs> you know. Uh right, so that's yeah, I'd say it's more of Aaron Rodgers' win, but it's not like an entire total loss for the Packers. They still get something out of it. And they have another chance to repair the relationship here. And they could do it, but you know, we'll have to wait and see if they do.
0: Okay, fantastic. Let everybody know where they can see your blog, especially for all of our fantasy football listeners. My blog
2: site is uh, on on Blogger. It's called uh, it's jacobsfantasyfootball.blogspot.com. Um, but the best way to get me is probably through Twitter, uh, where um, my name there is uh, Jake's F Football, uh, and that's that's probably the best way to get at it.
0: Okay, fantastic. I appreciate you for coming on. We are going to transition to our next guest. All right, all right. Brandon. Brandon. Introduce yourself. Let everybody know a little bit about you. What's going on, man? What's going on? Yeah.
1: Uh, Brandon, you can find me on Twitter at Wisco underscore Brandon. Um, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's where I live right now. Uh, as you can kind of see behind me a little bit, uh, we're celebrating this Bucks championship uh we're celebrating aaron Rodgers back in training camp the brewers are in first place you know there's you know tony there's not a whole lot uh you know wrong in the world right now other than uh you know real life stuff i guess sports-wise we're doing pretty
0: good <laughs> milwaukee fans on top of the world <laughs> for now <laughs> all right all right i like this i like this so that that leads me to this question. It sounds like you feel overall positive about this resolution between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers.
1: Yeah, you know, I heard you uh, previously talking to the guy uh, before me. Shout out to Jake. He's awesome. Um, It's a win-win for everybody, Tony, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, The Packers won because they get the MVP quarterback back. Aaron Rodgers won because he got that third year voided. You know, he's locked in for, we'll say, Two years. It's probably going to be one unless they work out an extension. But the Packers brought that quarterback back. Along with bringing that quarterback back, you were able to acquire Randall Cobb. Now, obviously, that was something that Aaron Rodgers had stressed out that he wanted the Packers front office to do. So it's a kind of a win for him. He kind of gets uh, what he's been looking for as far as that that that, re- that possession type receiver that that trust that trust factor that he has with Randall Cobb and 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 look. If it all works out, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be paid uh, handsomely again. Whether he does play with Green Bay after the 2022 season, uh, he'll obviously have to restructure that contract. Or he's going to go to a team that he wants to go to via uh, trade. And so uh, really, it's, it, it is a positive attitude, a little positive vibe going around training camp, around that locker room. I mean, I everybody's kind of having a lot of fun with it. The drama, so to speak, is is just kind of evaporated, thank God. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I'll be at training camp this weekend. So I'll, you know, be able to, you know, have a better feeling, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's so far, so far, so good.
0: Okay. I like this. I like this a lot because you touched on some things that I think are very important. The first one I say is, are you, how confident are you that this is Aaron Rodgers' last year as the Packers?
1: I do not think it is his last year. I think oh. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. And uh, Ian Rappaport was actually on the NFL network. It was like two days ago, I want to say. And it didn't really make news. It didn't make the Twitter Um, But he had the feeling, he said, and I'm paraphrasing Ian Rappaport, of course, he said that he has the feeling that Aaron Rodgers uh, will be playing with Green Bay beyond 2022. Now, look, Green Bay, it's no secret. Green Bay drafted Jordan Love. Um, we don't know what we have in Jordan Love. I don't know if Jordan Love knows what Jordan Love has in Jordan Love. <laughs> so- <laughs> I mean, if we're just keeping it 100, that's just the reality of it. He hasn't played in an NFL game yet. He hasn't even put on a uniform yet. So I think that you're going to see a guy, uh, he has been quoted actually today, uh, that he is working on a positive relationship with general manager Brian Gutenkins. Now, what does that mean? That's where we think the rift is is with him. Because yes. we don't know, He it's not the players, it's not the coaching staff. That Green Bay doesn't have an owner. Uh so it's not that
0: I'm and with I, you. Yeah, we Aaron think, went out of his way to say it's none of those people.
1: Exactly. Like a few times too, like yep. not just once. So if he's working on the relationship, if Green Bay, look, we heard about you know he was on Sports Center with Kenny Main. It's about the people, is what he said repeatedly. You know, Jordy Nelson, guys like Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers. If Green Bay's front office can it, can gain that trust back with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers can look at them and be like, okay. I'm feeling what you're telling me. You went out and got Randall Cobb. You did what I asked. I wanted that to happen. Now, quoting to uh, according to Brian Gutenkiss, the GM of the Green Bay Packers, that was something they had been working on for a few months. So, do you believe that? I do because I think I think what was happening was obviously Randall Cobb wasn't like in, you know, impossible to get. Like you know costing him a sixth round draft pick. Yeah, but I don't think I just don't know if they knew he was coming back. I really don't. And Adam Schefter was out there tweet, you know, talking about he was contemplating retirement. Aaron Rodgers came out in his press conference and absolutely he said that it, it verbatim. Like, look, I did, wasn't sure if I was going to play again, so I do think that they were unsure if he was coming back. Once he was coming back, then they probably got the wheels turning for Randall Cobb, and within okay. two days, within two days, Randall Cobb was in Green Bay.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Cause I, cause y'all drafted Amari Rogers. I think it is. Yep. He's basically gonna, he, he, ideally y'all wanted him to play the Randall comments role. Yep. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, I want to ask you this question. Did this whole kerfuffle situation change your outlook on either Aaron Rodgers or Packers management?
1: Uh, it gave me a negative outlook on Aaron Rogers and, okay. and I'll tell you why don't, go on Instagram and post a picture of the last dance. There's two things and you'll appreciate this. Okay. You're not Michael Jordan. (laughs) So just let that be known. Like, like I love Aaron Rodgers. He's my favorite quarterback. He's my, I, in my opinion, uh, Tony, I think he's the most gifted thrower of the football. Now, obviously Tom Brady's more decorated and Joe Montana. We can go back and forth. Patrick Mahomes will eventually probably surpass them all. But as it stands right now, I think he's the most gifted thrower of the football. When you talk about winning, And you talk about that being important to you. You talk about your legacy being something you value. You don't want to go out. He's said it numerous times. I don't want to go out like Brett Favre. I want to end my career in Green Bay. And then you go to -to back-to-back NFC Championship. games, And where he fails to realize, he has not played good in any one of those games. They beat beat the Chicago Bears. He beat Caleb Haney, like the third-string quarterback for the Chicago Bears. That was the only NFC Championship game he has been to or excuse me, that he has won. So when it comes to winning and it comes to, to doing the things that you say you want to do, and then the season ends, and then all of a sudden you're mad about about people that were let go six years ago, five years ago, four years ago. Look, under Brian Gutenkins, the only guy that he has released that Aaron Rodgers has been upset about has been Jake Coomer. Everybody else, Jordy Nelson, Charles oh. Woodson, Julius Peppers, all these guys were from Ted Thompson.
0: That is an scenario. interesting thing. I did not know that.
1: And, and that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, not maybe not understand, but like you said, maybe they just don't know uh, under Brian gunikins He's only been here. This is going to be his fourth year. So he only goes back to 2018. That was his first year.
0: Four years two NFC championship. Game. It's not bad. So,
1: <laughs> you know, when it comes down to it and here's my thing, like you're on Instagram, you know, you're putting out uh, photos and you're on vacation. And, you know, if, if there's a rift, with the ownership, or excuse me, with the with the general manager, with the front office, you know, don't leave, uh, you know, a, a whole fan base left in the dark. You know, we've we were we were there. A lot of us were there in twenty in two thousand eight when it was the Aaron Rodgers versus Brett Favre thing, and when they cut or when they traded Brett Favre and they took on Aaron Rodgers. We had Aaron Rodgers back. The majority of the fan base stood behind Aaron Rodgers, and we have been there ever since. Now you dragged a whole off season on draft night. You think you think that was leaked by the Packers? No, that was leaked by Aaron Rodgers. Adam Schefter leaked it. Adam Schefter and Aaron Rodgers share the same agent,
0: okay, David
1: Dunn. So if you're going to tell me that the Packers front office leaked that eight hours before a draft class, you took you took the you know the attention from all those kids, all those guys that earned you know to be drafted in the first round that night. You kind of took the attention away from them, and every time there was a draft pick, I know you probably remember that they went right back to talking about Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, it was big. It was big. We live streamed. We live streamed that draft situation. Right.
1: So it was it just got it got petty. And like, you know, you're he's a 37 year old guy. You've won. He's a Super Bowl winner, three time MVP. Look, I'm not asking you to come out and tell, you know, everybody what exactly is wrong. But you could have he could have easily addressed it saying, hey, uh, I love Green Bay. I love the coaches. I'm working with the front office. You know, here's what's going on. And, and it would have been a completely avoidable. You know, situation instead, Tony, We're at you know, five months, we were dragged through this. since February, all the way up until now. and he, he, we didn't know the night before camp, uh, if he was coming back, we did not know. People were tracking his plane.
0: All right, I'm with you. So before you before you head off, let people know where they can reach you, get some of your content.
1: Yeah, uh, I, uh, a couple different ways. You can follow me personally on Twitter. you can see at the bottom of the screen at Wisco underscore Brandon. You can follow. I have two different podcasts. Uh, I do a Packers podcast uh, at Titletown Lounge. Uh, And then also I do a Bucks and a Milwaukee Brewers podcast. And you can find that at Brew City Pod. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff at Brew City Pod. Uh, And every week coming out with new stuff.
0: All right. I appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. All right. We have one more guest for you all coming through another diehard Packers fan. How's it going? How's it going? Introduce Hello, yourself. Hey Good to see you. Thanks Good for having me on. Good to see you too,
3: Dave. Yeah. been a minute. Got it has. It has. We got the message on the hair, right? Yes. Get, growing it out. I like it. Uh, yeah. No, my name is Dave. I've been a Packers fan since, uh, you know, since I started watching football. And so, you know, I was listening to your content with these other these other guys. It was really great, great feedback. And uh, you know, one of the different things is I'm not a not a content producer, right? Like I'm more of a content consumer, right? So, you know, from a strictly fan perspective, that's one of the things that's a little bit different for me and these other guys. Without with the blogs and the podcasts and things like
0: that. All right, all right. I like this. Then, as a as a fan, I have a good question for you. At what point in this whole standoff, just consuming all the media stuff, etc. Did you flip on Aaron Rodgers? You know, I think it was
3: part of it was hard because you didn't know what was going on. Okay. Right. And there there was so much uncertainty. You know, he wasn't really saying anything. You know, you kind of had these beautiful mystery quotes. And, uh, you know, you had the match against Tom Brady uh, where he wasn't really saying anything. Even before that, he was at the Derby. And I think like Mike Tarico tried to get him to say something. And he wasn't saying a whole lot. And so I was frustrated with that, but I don't think I I got to the point where I turned, you know, where I really turned on him, but I was frustrated, you know, I was frustrated, kind of echoing what Brandon said at the last, the last bit there was, you know, you could have cleared it up, he could have said something and he chose not to. And, you know, whether that's because he wanted to let things, you know, kind of happen behind closed doors, and that was his professional opinion, or whether he knew that he just wanted to let that simmer you know, to gain leverage. Like, I don't know. We'll probably never know. Uh, okay. but it was frustrating. It was definitely frustrating.
0: Okay. Then in the resolution, this is my biggest question is just like, who do you think won Aaron or the Packers? It's really hard to say. I mean that, you know, Ryan uh,
3: or Robert, Robert from the Peter Bukowski off of the, the lockdown Packers segment kind of described it as uh, it's kind of like if you're dating someone in college, Right. And like graduation is coming up and you're sort of like, all right, like I know that when I leave here, like you're probably going somewhere else and like, you kind of know it too, but like, Hey, like, you know, we're sophomores, we're juniors. Why don't we just, we'll just ride it out, go for, for a couple of years here. And then we kind of both know we're going to go our separate ways. I, I don't know if it's that kind of a situation or not. I mean, I don't think we know what level of, you know, aggravation Rogers feels with, you know, mostly Brian Gutekunst it seems, or maybe, maybe Murphy, I don't know. Uh, but with some of those guys in the front office, right? I mean, if it's true that he was willing to retire, what, what does, what, what do the Packers have to do this season in order to like, give him input? Like, what does that mean? What does it look like? If he feels that, like, does he stick around for 2022? Maybe his cap hit, they got to extend DeVonte Adams, they got to pay Alexander, like do the Packers decide if they don't win a Super Bowl this year, that now they have the ability to just punt and try to like pay some of these other dudes and and try to, you know, strike while the iron's hot and get something back for them. I don't I don't know. Um so in a way it's like they both sort of maintained a little bit of leverage. I think Rogers wants to win a Super Bowl. Okay. He's, comp- he's a competitive guy. Like we all know that right? Like he can be kind of prickly, but most of it is because he's super competitive. He didn't so, have any leverage to do anything this year outside of go back to green Bay and win a soup, what's he going to do? Is he going to just like sit out? Is he going to retire? They weren't going to trade him. So it's like, you either want to win or you don't. Okay. And I think the Packers might, they might want to move on.
0: At some oh, okay. Point. Maybe. So, they won't. If you think of the Packers, might, so it's next year, his cap hit will be $47 million. It'll be near impossible to field a team and pay that cap hit, especially when you got some big contracts coming up, like Devonte Adams. So yeah. it seems like either he'd have to re up or be traded. And t- trading him can save anywhere between nineteen million and twenty seven million dollars to put everywhere else on the team. And that leads me to this question: Where's your panic meter on Jordan Love? I, you know, I gotta say.
3: It's it's pretty high. (laughs) Like there's I mean I I mean like I don't think I don't think many people are willing to say that. I think a lot of people are like, oh we don't know. He hasn't played in any games. We don't know what we have. And you know what? Like that's what I don't like. We (laughs) don't know what we have. And when you are a Green Bay Packers fan, you have had certain luxuries that other teams have not had. I mean you've had 30 plus years of like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's an unprecedented level of continuity at quarterback, of consistency and performance. You know, you are a contender for the Super Bowl every year, maybe not every year, but like almost every year. And you're going to go from that to we don't know. I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like that. And I, I hope I'm wrong, right? Like, I want to be wrong. I hope he comes out in these preseason games. You know, some of it's not Jordan Love's fault. As a matter of fact, I would say all of it's not Jordan Love's fault, right? Like, he didn't ask to get drafted here. He didn't ask for it to be COVID, where he got, like, no OTAs, where he got, like, no work and reps in with the team, where he got no preseason games, where he got, like, you know, no games last year, right? So it's, like, it's not his fault. But, like, from a fan perspective, I, I want to be able to continue a tradition. Where we might be able to win a Super Bowl.
0: Okay, this is big for me because it seemed we. So uh, I think it was Brandon talked about the two last dance photos uh, with Adams and Rogers. Does this whole kerfuffle give you some, I don't know, queasiness about the current Devonte Adams contract negotiations?
3: It has
0: to. It has to.
3: I just kind of feel like there are a lot of people who are saying, you know. Don't panic. Negotiations break off like all the time. Um, You know, the Packers tend to retain the guys that are studs that are high quality players. Adams is obviously that he is, I think unquestionably the best wide receiver in the league. Unquestionably.
0: Oh, I think so. Rep it hard. Rep it. Look, I think so. Defon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. They might have something to say about that.
3: I'm, I'm sh- oh, I'm, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. But the the style of Devontae's play is one that is, I think, just very, very sustainable in the long term, right? Like he's a guy who's got a solid frame, um, but he plays with finesse. You know, he's sneaky, right? His route running is like real fluid. He's always improving that. So it's not like he's a guy that has to just like go up and like body somebody for a ball, right? Like that's not going to be his style of play. So you're going to want a guy like him to provide continuity. And, um, you know, I, I want him around and he is at least made clear what he wants. He's like, I want to get paid wide receiver number one money. And Brian Gooden came out and said, like, we want to pay you that kind of money, but there's a disagreement about what that means. And I think it, 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 uh, it falls back on this DeAndre Hopkins contract. I think that's the, that's
0: the thing. That's how it works. The The next guy up always tries to shatter the barrier from the guy before. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Okay.
3: It would it would be a real shame for Packer fans. You know, I mean, maybe we could stomach it, I think, if, if we win a Super Bowl. If the, okay. if the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers is like, I want a Super Bowl, I don't think he's going to be done. First of all, I think if they win a Super Bowl, the Packers are going to be like, well, we're going to offer you an extension. Let's get this cap down. We'll figure out what we're it? going to do with Jordan. I mean, if he wants the legacy and he really wants to continue playing, and then they're like, we're just going to have to figure out what to do with Jordan Love because what are we going to do? Trade the quarterback that won the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, He seems like he wants to be traded. <laughs> Maybe. But does that does that change if he wins a Super Bowl? And he's like, I can run it back with another one. I'll restructure so that Adams can come back. And then like, you know, we do like last dance 2.0, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but I think the Packer fan base might be able to stomach being like, we want a super bowl. We get it. All these guys want to go get paid. Rogers just wants out and we'll rebuild. Maybe they can stomach it. Maybe it'll be the opposite. I don't know.
0: Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that, that was very helpful. I appreciate you for coming on. No problem. Thank Thanks you so much. Me. Yes. All right, Dave. Thank you. All right. All right. We also have to get into some big, big, big NBA free agency news. Basically, the entire game has been kind of shook up and things have changed a lot. So what I want to do is to get in some into some winners, some losers and into some confusing. And the big start, big start here is I think the winners for free agency are mostly in the East. And I want to start with the Miami Heat. Miami Heat destroyed NBA free agency, making a plethora of moves that upgrade them all around. First things first, they get a sign and trade for Cal Lowry from Miami. The rumors are swelling at the tail end of things and Cal Lowry ends up with the Miami Heat. They end up having to give up Goran Dragic in another sign and trade, as well as, Precious Achua, which is a player that I really like, but his timeline is not the same timeline as a Jimmy Butler and this current Miami Heat roster. They re-signed Jimmy to a max contract that is huge. Next is Duncan Robinson, five-year, $90 million. Dunk gets the bag and not by a long shot. Look, so that is, I think, huge for them. Then they get P.J. Tucker, and this was a really, really underrated signing me two years, $15 million. If you are a frequent listener of the podcast, you would have heard on last episode, PJ was one of my guys that I really wanted to see get the bag in this free agency after coming off of a championship run. And unfortunately, PJ didn't get the 10 to $12 million a year that I really wanted him to push for. And he stayed in his usual eight to nine range, but it's a two-year deal on another team that can't contend. And he adds a lot of defense and grit, and a little bit of corner shooting for spacing for this team that I think that they are truly going to benefit from. Other big moves that they made is they got Markeith Morris on a deal. They re-signed Oladipo on the minimum, which happened today. That's when I'm recording on Wednesday. And he's, of course, going to have to go through some rehab, but is another great addition to the team. Gabe Vincent on a two-year deal, Dwayne Dedman on a one-year deal. Etc. And I think that it's hard to say that Miami did not make the biggest stride in free agency. Pat Riley once again knocks it out of the park. And if you truly think about it, Miami has upgraded on almost every single spot in their starting five that they changed. Now, there was some points in time last year where they even had to have Tyler Hero playing point guard and Goran Dragic, of course, at a later part of his career isn't exactly what he's always been for this heat franchise. Kyle Lowry. Massive, massive upgrade, in my opinion, both on the defensive end as well on the offensive end and just playmaking consistently being able to take some of that pressure off of Jimmy in late game situations as really their main closer and initiator has championship pedigree and a lot of playoff experience in the East. Of course, keeping Jimmy is great. Duncan at the two. Big deal. I am I mean, shooters come with the premium. That is just a fact that he is one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. So he deserves the money that he gets. P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker could take in at that four position right next to Jimmy, pushing Jimmy th- to, the t- to the three, which I think is his more natural role. P.J. Tucker is going to be a strong defender, shoot the corner three, space, et cetera. And I think that that ends up being a huge upgrade. So you end up having a situation where you could have a starting lineup of Lowry, Duncan Robinson, then Jimmy Butler, then P.J. Tucker, and then, of course, the big guy, de Bayo. So I just think like that's massive. Then you got to think about it. Coming off the bench, Victor Oladipo, Markeith Morris, and Tyler Hero are your 6th, 7th, and 8th men, and they can be starters. Well, they could be starters on other teams. Tyler Hero may be a year or two away from being that primetime starter, but definitely Victor Oladipo has been and Marquee Morris has been in other situations. I think that is just huge. This Miami Heat team is deep. Heat Nation should be very, 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 very pleased with what Pat Riley brought them this free agency season. Now I want to move down to some Homer things going on. These Chicago Bulls, massive, massive, massive winners in free agency. This team doesn't look anything like what guard packs left us in Chicago. And that can only be a good thing. We made a lot of massive moves and they'll started at the trade deadline last year, giving up Wendell Carter jr, giving up multiple first round picks, getting Nikola Vufic into the building. And I just want to say that Arturos and his staff, you know, Mark, et cetera, that was actually a big move because I feel like that move sent a signal to the rest of the league that, This free agency was built upon. It sent that signal that the Chicago Bulls were ready to be contenders, ready to spend, were ready to be successful, and that this is a real big time market that people should consider. And I think that folded over into another thing that was very big on us during trade-down line season. But we got Lonzo Ball. I mean, I probably you probably seen a bunch of videos from me by now about how great Lonzo Ball's fit would be for this team. So I'm not going to rehash all of that, but we got Lonzo Ball four years, $85 million. I thought Lonzo was going to be a 20 mil a year floor player in this free agency period. So giving him just a little bit over that has no qualms with me. I really like this deal for us. We end up having to send back Thomas Sodoransky and Garrett Temple, as well as a second round pick to New Orleans. And that's not a bad, that's not a bad haul for getting Lonzo Ball. I was never a big fan of Sato's game for what we needed him to do on the Bulls. He needed to get some primary playmaking capabilities going, especially because Kobe was having some issues being a playmaker, but being a great scorer at times for us during this last year year of his. So I think this is actually a massive, massive game for us. He's a a 15-point-a-game scorer, Alonzo is. He shot great from the three-point, almost 40% this year was almost 40% from the floor, drastically improved his playmaking and being able to play off the ball this last season in New Orleans. He still averaged almost six assists a game, and that was with Van Gundy taking the ball out of his hands the latter part of the season to go really point Zion for the most part in this this area of the range. So I just think that this is going to be huge for us. He's going to be able to make massive plays in the in-transition as well as in the half court, but at you know people's big knock on though, sometimes in the half court, just like a lot of other young players that are prolific playmakers, they kind of stall out a little bit. But this is where the Bulls found a perfect, perfect solution. Of course, we could always put the ball in Zach Levine's hands—never a bad idea—but we need other people to initiate offense to free up Zach Levine to get him easier shots. And the second addition that we made was Demar Derozan. I am. Super, super, super plus about this DeMar DeRozan addition. He fills the three spot. I feel like Chicago has been trying to fill and get a real strong, small forward literally every year since Jimmy Butler left. And that is something that we've never really been able to fill. And I think DeMar DeRozan does that for us three years, $85 million. People say that's a little rich. Sure, possibly, but I am actually have no real qualms about how rich this contract is! I have qualms really with how much we gave up. San Antonio, like we gave up a future first round pick, two second round picks. We also gave them Thad, who I love, and I wish we would have been able to keep that. He would have been a great rotation piece for us, especially with all these new additions to the team. And I just think that it's not that Demar Rosen isn't great. It's not that I don't expect him to be fantastic on the Bulls. I think it's more so he was an unrestricted. He he, I think he was an unrestricted free agent. And I think that he could have walked and San Antonio could have gotten nothing. And maybe uh, absent a signing trade, we could not have gotten him to us. He would have went somewhere else and we had to make this move. But I do feel like when it comes to draft capital, we have really given up a lot of picks, a lot of picks. And that's my one qualm with this move. Otherwise, this is fantastic. Like, this is fan, fantastic. He scored 20 points a game or more. Each of the last eight seasons scored almost 22 last year with just under 50% scoring. And the one the thing that I think is like really underrated about DeMar DeRozan is that when he went to the Spurs and was no longer next to Kyle Lowry, he had to become a playmaker. And that is something that Pop really emphasized and instilled in him. He started averaging nearly six assists a game while playing on that San Antonio team. So that means in the half court, Especially a guy with such a great and devastating and high percentage mid range jump shot, his ability to play, make and get other people open shots in the half court where Alonso can excel in some more spot up three point shooting positions that he really excelled in in New Orleans towards the latter half of last year is going to be big. I think that we look fantastic and we should be like a top five seed in the East this upcoming year with all the additions that we've made. Now we've made some other smaller additions and they are still just as important. We got Alex Caruso. We gave him a four year, $37 million deal. That's just under $9 million a year. I want to say like, he's going to be a great, he's, he's going to be a great addition. He's very defensive minded. Defense was an issue for Chicago. We really focus on fixing that defensive Lack that we had. We got a guy in the draft two years ago, and Patrick Woods. He's going to be a defensive-minded star worth for this team. Then we got Lazo Ball, who has been known for his defense ever since he got into the league. And then you know we also got Alex Caruso, who makes his bones on defense. He can score here and there, but will make great run on our second team. And that's big. Another move that we made that I think is underrated, flying under the radar, but I think this is important to kind of give you all a feel for what's next for the bulls is that we made a trade and gave Daniel Tice to the Rockets. And this lets me know that AK is going to be aggressive going forward because this has created a trade exemption of about $9 million that we have, that we will be able to use this year. If we have another target in mind and all of this, even all of this, that means we are still also $20 million under the luxury tax after all of these moves. Yes, including DeRozan. So that means that we might still be able to keep Laurie marketing, which would be a great continuation on our team. And I think in a team where we have some more spacing, some other guys to fill more developed roles, and Laurie is actually a bench player, he can actually do a lot in that role. But he could also still be a piece of trade bait. We don't know where they're going to go with that. But all I know is with this trade exemption and the cash space that we still have and everything that AK has shown us and now his second year going into it of being the vice president of Bulls basketball operations is that he's going to be aggressive and he's going to get stuff done. And I cannot wait to see what comes next. Now, we are going to move down to the losers. And now the losers and NBA free agency, the first one that comes to my mind is obviously the New Orleans Pelicans. And I feel like they are big losers here because they struck out on all their big free agents and they let go of Lonzo Ball. Like they got Thomas Sederansky, that is an addition. They got another player from the Bulls, that is an addition. But none of those players are world beaters. None of those players are the caliber of Lonzo Ball. None of those players shoot like Lonzo can. I think they're going to miss Lonzo's passing. They're going to miss Lonzo's defense. They're going to miss Lonzo's much much improved three-point shooting and you want to have that type of spacing around someone like Zion now the Jonas Valanciunas trade I don't know I'm not counting this part of free agency I I thought that was a massive win for the Pelicans and if you haven't seen that video it is on my YouTube channel you can catch it I break down that trade and how that can actually really help this team but outside of that what else did they really do they got Devontae Graham and I think that sign trade. For a first round pick. Devontae Graham is your new solution at point guard to replace Lonzo ball. I'm I'm not really plus by this. I think it's a downgrade and you gave up a first round pick to get it. and did not even get a first round pick back for Lonzo. Now the pick is heavily protected and that is helpful, but it's just difficult to see that this team does anything and their free agency was a success. Then they probably won't get this pick. But if, Predictably with these moves, they kind of regress some more, then they might get to keep that pick. And that's like another, another here or there. Garrett Temple was the other player from the Bulls. And I think that it's going to be worse than last year. And that's not an overstatement, but it's just very important to note that for the most part, yeah, the Pelicans kind of lost out on this free agency period. Now, my second big loser for me is the Portland Trailblazers. And the reason why the Portland Trail Blazers are on this list is just, first and foremost, Dame made it very clear that this team that you all have is not good enough to win a championship. He was upfront front in saying that and said a lot of changes need to be made. Free agency came. Free agency is still here, but a lot of it has went. And it has not been good. Y'all lost Melo. That is tough. Melo was a strong addition. One of the better and more consistent players on this Blazer team. For the last couple years, they lost out on Zach Collins, which I know a lot of you Blazers fans might be like, he was never healthy in the first place, like never. And that is fair, but that is potential, especially if he can get it together and he can get healthy that you all could have added to a team whose front court rotation was a little soft and was not really able to keep up with a lot of the bigs out West and it's Cantor gone back to the Boston Celtics. and. You didn't really make many or really any additions. You added Cody Zeller. I'm not super high on him as a player. You added Tony Snell. These are really kind of bargain additions to the team that aren't going to be big changers when we're talking about trying to be contenders in the West. Now, uh, you, you re-signed Norman Powell. That's great. Five-year deal, big money, happy for Norman. Norman got his money, but Norman was also there last year. And Norman was there when you all lost to the Jamal Murrayless. Nuggets. So I'm just I'm out. I'm kind of out on the Portland Trail Blazers. It seems like a team that's regressing even more from last year. And I kind of see this another in for another rough season where you're gonna have to be really carried by that backcourt, but have a very clear ceiling, unfortunately. And the last section I have here is the confusings, and I'm really interested in the confusings. And the first one I want to talk about is the Washington Wizards. And the Washington Wizards are confusings. Only for the sake that most people believe that they should be worse because they lost Russell Westbrook. And I'm not sure that's actually the case. I actually believe that this Washington Wizards team might actually be better post Russell Westbrook trade and actually with this new set of pieces that they have around them. So the Russell Westbrook trade, I'm counting it as part of free agency because a lot of missing and moving pieces happened here enough for me to feel like it should count. They sent off Russell Westbrook, who was their second best player, and they got back Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, KCP, a first round pick, and the first round pick from this year, number 22, Isaiah Jackson. Like the addition of all that depth to this team, I think makes it a much more well rounded basketball team. The defense has been atrocious in Washington for quite some time now. But what you do get is some defensive-minded players. Kuzma will play defense frequently. Harrell plays defense, but he's a little undersized for his his position. But KCP is a knockdown 3 and D defensive-focused guy that I think is going to make a big addition to this team. It makes it just more well-rounded, more depth coming down on the bench, a lot deeper that the coach can play in there and a lot of different Lineups that we're going to get to see this upcoming year. And I think that made it very, very big for you all. The next thing is Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, I thought the trade for Spencer Dinwiddie was actually really good. I hope he's healthy. We don't really know. But the last time we saw Spencer Dinwiddie play basketball, he was on a tier and was really proving that he was coming out into his own and could be a strong addition to a team. And assuming Spencer Dinwiddie comes back and is healthy, The Wizards have really kind of made two big moves here that I think put them in a much, much better place and that they can actually do better than they did last year. They might actually not even have to be in the playing team um, uh, in the playing tournament. And that's actually possible. The next team I want to talk about, and this is the team that's getting a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation, the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Los Angeles Lakers here are different very different. And I mean they made so many moves. They got Russell Westbrook, right? And to get Russell Westbrook, they sent off a first round pick, Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell They are just like making all of the moves possible that they can. And it is really important cuz after doing that, they had three massive contracts on their team, a big three. They paid them all. They and there's not a lot of cap space left. And people make a lot of gripe about how old this Lakers team is. That is true. Because after that, they added Carmelo Anthony on a minimum deal. Dwight Howard on a minimum deal. They added Trevor Ariza on a minimum deal. Wayne Ellington as well. And that was, those are all, and Ken Bazemore, those are all great additions. And those were great additions that the Lakers desperately needed because they added shooting to this team, shooting in Melo, shooting in Wayne Ellington, some shooting in Trevor Ariza, but then some younger guys, such as Kendrick Nunn, they added Malik Monk, they added getting on really cheap deals, were massive, massive wins for the Lakers based off the position that they already were in after the Russell Westbrook trade. And that is important to note. Now, I am less concerned about this team's age, more concerned about this team's defense. People are concerned about this team's age because. These type of teams with a lot of old people need to be load managed. We've seen AD have injuries as of late. We've seen LeBron have injuries as of late. And I just want to say, I'm not super worried about that for a couple reasons. One, Russell Westbrook's motor is so high. And on those load management days, Russell will be able to fully take over the team, push it, play full Russell Westbrook basketball that we know is quite successful in the regular season, it can win a lot, a lot of games. And when it comes into the playoffs, hopefully those veterans are arrested. Those veterans are able to come in and be healthy. And if they are healthy, this team can contend for a championship. I'm concerned about their defense. Now we know AD plays great defense when he's healthy. We know Trevor Ariza played great defense, has not been able to do as much as of late, but there has not been as much opportunity as the plate, so I'm really interested to see what Trevor Ariza does. Dwight Howard is active, is helpful, defends the basket, etc. But that's where the defense ends for that team, in my opinion. And I think that it's going to be kind of difficult to watch this team shift its identity from being a team that found its bones on defense to being a team that might need to find its bones on offense and be prolifically scoring wise when. They need to have a lot of guys in there for spacing purposes because neither nobody in their big three is a great shooter. Maybe good at best, and good at best for their position, not good at best for the league at large, if we're being honest. So I think this is a confusing situation because I'm right now willing to say this team is better than the Lakers of last year. I am definitely not willing to say. This is better than the Lakers of two years ago, in which they won the bubble. So kind of seeing where this team ends up and what other moves they make at the tail end of free agency is really gonna be important for getting a solid look at what we expect this Lakers team to be next season, let's let's stop, let's
2: let's stop, play boy.
0: All right, all right. It's time to get into our training camp breakdown. I'm going to start with the Chicago Bears because there's a lot going on in Chicago Bears camp. So I'm going to give you all a little download. The first thing that we definitely have to talk about here is the offensive line. Now, the offensive line has struggled in practice, is dealing with injuries. COVID is completely new, and I feel like it's going to be very bad to start off the season. I've been going through all the people that were there in person watching all the videos. There are definitely going to be some clips that I will get to share with you all. And first is first. It's just like in most situations, especially in training camp, the offensive line is at a big disadvantage to the defensive line. Offensive line generally does poor here. But even saying that, the Chicago Bears offensive line has been struggling at camp. Both the first team, the second team, and the third team have been struggling a lot. They're giving up a ton of sacks. And there's also a big concern right now is that the big rookie that we have coming through to play left tackle, Tevin Jenkins, is currently dealing with a back injury. He has not participated in training camp whatsoever at all by the time that we are recording this so far. And there's not a very clear timetable on when he is going to come back. Reporters have questioned Nagy. Was it a couple days? Is it a couple of weeks? Nagy has been very. AG with us and only saying things like oh well somewhere between there he's better than he was before he's making progress but nothing to really ease the mind of us Bears fans out there about whether or not he is actually going to be able to start getting reps and starting to gel with this offensive line unit and that is just not even the worst of it we are also dealing with other people missing camp as well such as Elijah Wilkinson, who is currently on the COVID list, and we also aren't able to have him practice anyway. So you might be thinking, okay, with all of these things going on, this obviously makes a lot of sense why the Bears offensive line will be doing quite poorly. In fact, right now we have a fifth rounder, I think his name is Larry Barham, currently playing left tackle for us. And, And honestly, picked 151st in this draft. It would be diamond in the rough, amazing things if he ends up developing into a suitable long-term offensive lineman. But Nagy has not even been able to say that that's what he expects. He says that we're giving it time, we're being going to be patient, and that he is hoping that there can be high hopes. And the thing we got to understand about offensive line is it's a lot about repetition and the fine details of these of these movements making sure that you know what the other guys around you are doing that you're gelling you're one fluid system and that is kind of something that the bears offensive line is going to be missing especially right now with a lot of our key pieces on an already new offensive line being a little bit out of the way and i get it i get it this leads me to my second point which is about justin Fields, and i'm going to tell you i do not want justin fields to start the season i think I am one of few Bears fans that's going to look at you right now and say, that is a bad decision. And that is largely because our offensive line is going to struggle early. Based off everything that I've heard and I've seen from training camp so far, we aren't looking too good. And even once we get all of our starters in there, they're going to be kind of out of practice. They haven't got to practice while everybody else was getting up to speed. They haven't got to gel together. And I don't want to put Justin Fields into another Poorly designed situation of Chicago Bear offensive line mess like we had these previous years. I'd rather have him wait a little bit, sit behind Andy Dalton and look. again get it, it. Andy Dalton doesn't seem exciting to everybody. But what's really important is early on, I think the offensive line is going to give up a lot of sacks, give up a lot of hits, give up a lot of pressure. And it sounds kind of weird to say this, but I'd rather have experienced Andy Dalton dealing with that situation and what comes with it than new quarterback Justin Fields. But just like last year, offensive line started to gel, get better. We got our run game underneath us after some games and getting further into the season. That is actually when I would like to see Justin Fields start, when things are a little bit more solidified and he is coming into what is a more successful situation. Now, that being said, Justin Fields has looked great at camp. Everybody is very excited at all the amazing things that he has been doing. And we are going to, according to Nagy get a very, very, very heavy dose of Justin Fields in training camp and preseason, especially in preseason. He's going to get to play large, large stretches and hopefully he gets to grow some confidence in the offense and get a lot of information that he's going to be able to learn from later on in the season. But like, I cannot overstate how good he has looked in camp. People have been electric just watching him touch the ball. And I have a couple of like just clips that I want to show you all that I've aggregated to kind of show how strong he's been in camp. So the first one here is Justin Field taking off and getting a very, very good deep pass against the rush. And I'll have a play for you all now. Then we had to get to see him show off his arm throwing deep, catching receivers in stride. As you can see right there, perfect path. Everything's fantastic. He even beats the rush and goes off for a long run in training camp. And as you can see in many of these plays, the offensive line is not holding up all that great, but Justin is making it happen anyway. And this is exactly what I'm trying to say is that for the most part, we should be very confident in Justin Fields' skills when the time comes. But Right now we got to think about Andy Dalton and good news here is that everybody from everything I've heard has said, Andy Dalton doesn't look shabby in camp either. He's connecting with the receivers like Allen Robinson really well, as well as Darnell Mooney and some of our other guys. And it's great to see he's looked sharp. It seems like he's very comfortable in the playbook. And the most important thing, which is usually the hardest thing for new receivers and quarterbacks to get down with each other, is timing. Matt Nagy has complimented his timing. Time and time again, I guess, for just easy way to make this happen. And that is something that I think we should just stay calm, stay strong, and things will definitely work out for us, Bears fans. Do not panic and give Andy Dalton a chance to put Justin Fields in the best situation that he can be. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you all about is, look, at the skill position, I think that we actually are looking really, really, really good. And that is something that's huge for us. Now, the first thing is Kokemet. Kokemet, look, everybody, a lot of us know about him. Tight end, drafted last year. And we are really hoping that between him and Jimmy Graham, we might be able to run some two tight end sets and just really show him break out as more of an offensive weapon this year. And he has shown, according to Chris Emma and other reporters that are there at this time, that he has shown that he's able to connect and get a lot of catches in traffic, operate in the key area for the tight end, especially in this offense that Naki wants to run. And for the most part, look, things are a little tough in the running back room, but with a very, very, very nice silver lining. Tariq Coleman has still not been able to play. And for the injury that he has had, the timetable for return was around nine-ish months. We're well past that now, and we are still in like a lot of worry for Tariq Cohen and where he can kind of get us this season. He hasn't been able to really practice or participate, but that is not the end of the world because Damian Williams has been a stud in training camp so far. The People are saying he looks like a very good fit for the offense. He can feel that catching back role and change the pace that we want Tariq Cohen to be able to fill. and that we should not be worried. He's been able to show his route running skills and his ability to help on special teams he's been able to show his speed getting behind linebackers in our defense in practice and on seven on sevens which by the way in those seven on seven drills people were pointing out that Dalton was throwing receivers open and hitting them in their spots throwing the ball before they even got into their breaks and moving with anticipation which is very very good to see that he's going to have that confidence the second is Especially for our skill position, guys. Oh my, oh my. Darnell Mooney is primed for a breakout season. And there are a couple of reasons for this, and that we already know. Look, he has elite NFL speed, top of the NFL speed, and came in the NFL as a really advanced route runner based off the time that he had at Tulane. And this is all without a training camp, without a preseason. And the coaches are on Darnell Mooney trying to fix. And tweak and change and bolster everything they can about his already dynamic package to put him in the best position to have a huge year this year and what from all reports i've seen him and Allen robinson have been attached at the hip Allen robinson has been mentoring him showing him around and it seems like he is going to be a huge deep threat for the bears this year and i'm looking in And kind of feeling that a lot. The last is David Montgomery. He has looked like a beast in camp. That is just from multiple reports. He's breaking off large runs. They're not really tackling a lot right here, but he's making good cuts, reading the defense very well. And I even have a pretty big run to show you that you all might find particularly intriguing at this time. Look at him go. He looks looks fluid. He looks explosive. And honestly... I'm just overall excited to see what he can bring to us in another year, hopefully behind a more stable offensive line as the season starts to shake out. And the last thing is just the defense. The defense is, well, looking like what you would expect a Chicago Bears defense to look like. They have the right attitude with their reports of things getting chippy between offensive and defensive linemen on the first day of pads, which is always something great to see. The team is fired up. They're ready to go, and they are really interested in putting their imprint on this season. And look, Sean Desai, new defensive coordinator, but people like Khalil Mack have said great things about him that is going to bring back some of those schemes from the Vic days in which the Bears defense was even better than it was in recent years, especially last year. And we're hoping for a little bit of resurgence on that side. From everything I've seen, even though it's really, really early, and I cannot say that enough, it is really, really early, Chicago Bears fans should be massively, massively excited about this upcoming season.
2: Y'all, 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 y'all is honey, playboy.
0: Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Baller's Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do. And never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here we like to make a change. So this week's Ballers Bouquet goes to a fantastic receiver, never had under a thousand yards in his career, Mike Evans, for his Mike Evans Family Foundation free youth football camp. <laughs> now look. Mike Evans holds this free football camp almost every year since 2015, you know, COVID permitting. And this camp hosts close to 150 kids from Galveston, Texas. They re-empted back up this summer. And it was, you know, the first time after a year off from, you know, the pandemic season. And attendees at this camp receive things like camp shirts, mini football, snacks, mouth guards, all for free. Mike Evans and coaches from his former high school, Ball High School, all show up. They coach the kids. The kids get one-on-ones with Mike Evans. Mike Evans even plays football with these kids. And for everybody who's a frequent listener of the podcast, you know that, yes, the monetary gifts are huge. Yes, things like free camps are huge, but even more huge is the actual one-on-one interaction and experience that these kids get from people that are from the same neighborhood, city, town, could have even went to the same schools as them, et cetera. And they get that actual real experience with someone that could be basically like a hero for them. The blueprint, they are aspiring to hit the goals that he has hit. And I think that's something that's huge and it's very hard to understate it. So this camp is massive. Does a lot for the kids. They host a lot of kids, but even more so after the camp happens, they send five kids on a shopping spree at, an, at a sports store where they can get a bunch of football gear, etc. Each kid gets $500 to spend however they please at the store. And that is just another nice cherry on top for all the good that Mike Evans is doing. But as you all know, listeners of the Fly Route Podcast, but wait, there is more. Mike Evans and his family foundation also provide 13 scholarships for college a year. This past year, it totaled $65,000, which means all 13 students get a $5,000 scholarship. It is based off need because they want to be able to help people that may not be able to get or go to the schools that they dream of and can get into simply because of their financial situation. And Mike Evans is quoted saying, Ashley and I, Ashley, who was his wife, want these young students to know that if they work hard, they can accomplish anything, that your financial situation shouldn't stop you from your goals. And Ashley is a very big part of this. Mike Evans is on record multiple times saying a lot of this thanks and this praise need to go to Ashley. So Ashley is also getting a baller's bouquet here because she is functionally the CEO and runs the day to day. Of this foundation, all the great endeavors that they do, allowing Mike to focus on football, especially during the season like we are approaching now. But wait, there is more. Mike Evans and his family foundation also pledged $100,000 to COVID relief recently, 50,000 of it going to Tampa Bay, and the other 50 going to his hometown of Galveston. And they were able to help over 53 thousand individuals across 31,000 households with essential needs due that they were kind of out on because of the pandemic. And we know how it affected a lot of people here. Now, the last thing I want to say is we always ask ourselves, this is huge. We want to give athletes their flowers while they're here, because when people will always focus on the negative, they won't always focus on the positive. Mike Evans, we wonder why he gives back so much. And he says two things. This city made me who I am. And I'll never forget that mindset of making sure that you stay grounded and remembering where you came from is always something that's super huge. And we love to see you now athletes and people that are massively successful. But more importantly, he talks about someone named Casey Hampton who when he was a kid held these type of camps in his area that he was actually able to go to. And he said ever since he was a kid, He's always dreamed of being able to do the same thing and give back the same way that someone gave back to him and him continuing that trend is something that earns him this week's baller's bouquet. Now that is it for episode 46 of the fly route podcast. As always, I want to thank each and every single one of you for rocking with us this week. And now whether you're listening on Spotify Apple Music, YouTube, PodCrunch, or whatever it is. Make sure that you like and subscribe. If you're only listening on Spotify, make sure you get to our YouTube channel so you can see the full video of all of these episodes and smaller, more focused clips. And of course, I want to thank all of our guests that came on this week. You all were huge. I really appreciated the conversation we got to have. And I cannot wait to talk to you all next Friday.